Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today, we have Ari Rastengar. Ari began his work in real estate investing in 2006 while still in law school. And today, his real estate investments span 38 cities across 13 states and include vintage multifamily units, mixed-use complexes, storage facilities, and more. He was called the Oracle of Austin by Forbes and has just been inducted, I believe, the youngest person into the Power 100 for 2021. So thank you so much for being on the show, Ari. Hey, thanks for having me. So give us a little bit on your background prior uh, professionally and uh, personally before getting into your current uh, real estate investing and developing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, people kind of bifurcate their personal and their business lives together. And, you know, what I do in my business life is really who I am more so than what I do, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so there's very much a marriage between um, between those worlds. And, you know, it goes from having my name on the door, which was something that my grandfather, you know, wanted. My dad, um, in, it was an Iranian immigrant after the Iranian revolution. And, um, you know, they, you know, kind of had to rebuild, and which has been the plight and the story of a lot of um, Iranian Americans that came here um, so they really killed, you know, my, you know, our whole family on, on that side, on that side. And, and again, the, our story isn't unique in that regard, but I'm very fortunate to be born and raised in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm an attorney by trade. Um, a lot of people don't know that I was actually an English major in undergrad. Um, but with that said, I had to go to two community colleges before I got into Texas A&M, uh, because I was, uh, not exactly a great high school student to say the least. Uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a rebel, let's put it, to put it lightly. Uh, but then I, I spent some time in Mexico uh, doing a study abroad. I speak, you know, several languages fluently, and one of them being Spanish and Farsi. And you know, I always just was really enamored by beautiful buildings. And being an English major, you kind of, and an attorney, you read a lot. And I still, you know, I'm very much a big reader. Both my parents are big readers. Uh, my mother is of, of German descent. Um, so, and my wife is half Guatemalan, half Spanish, you know, three beautiful kids. So our kids were kind of like the United Nations that I always kind of joke about. Um, you know, so it, it's very much Although we are a very institutional firm with public pension funds, family offices is our bulk of our investors, high net worth individuals, some of the biggest entertainers, athletes in the world are also our investors um, that are my dearest friends, you know, so there's this blending of that of those worlds uh, that we've put together that really has a human element to it of knowing these folks, understanding our vendors, knowing our vendors, creating a better, you know, user experience, but it came from a from a dream from my grandpa. Um, you know, he, he would tell me, and I know it's a little bit cliche, but he said in Farsi, of you know, they're not making any more land. You know, they're not making any more of this stuff. And uh, he was a doctor and a psychiatrist by trade, and I wanted to kind of do what he did. My dad's an attorney, and so he kind of, you know, uh, uh, not unforcefully told me that I had to become an attorney and then do basically do whatever the hell I wanted. 
so yeah, so I mean, I, you know, look, uh, I've heard people say that I came from nothing and that's just kind of not true. You know, being born in America, you know, having you know, two parents, my parents divorced when I was really young, but, you know, both, you know, highly intelligent, both big readers, big into health and wellness. And um, it's kind of made me kind of who I am, but I, you know, flipped burgers at Johnny Rockets when I was in, when I was in high school and delivered pizzas through college and um, decided when I was in law school, had this harebrained idea to borrow 3000 bucks from, you know, um, to start buying little lots and partnering with a big developer um, north of San Antonio. And I was on the build side at four or five in the morning, you know, doing, doing all the, doing all the work, you know, whether from pouring concrete to sheetrock to electrical to roofing. So, and um, that wasn't exactly my forte, you know, per, per <laughs> se, but, um, but we started doing these one, you know, little houses, like $80,000 loan, interim construction loan, selling them for 115 grand back in 2005, six, as you mentioned, and parlayed it into something pretty substantial. Um, and then 2008 hit. <laughs> and, you know, luckily I had a great partner and he had the liquidity and um, he saw the work that we had done. So on paper, it looked pretty, looked pretty sexy, you know, <laughs> in 07, but uh, I kind of got out of it with, uh, with my hat good credit, paying back the money that I owed and uh, went to Wall Street and worked for some of the greatest minds in the world um, because my wrestling coach, ironically enough, and I wasn't that good of a wrestler by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but my wrestling coach's cousin was the head of Credit Suisse's conduit mm -hmm. lending business. And he gave me my shot and we're still, you know, actually we were on the phone last night for an hour and a half. His oldest son works for me. Um, stayed very, very close. And, you know, around, you know, 2015, I kind of had the itch to, that this can be done in a better way. Wanted to come home to Austin. You know, we saw the writing on the wall. Maybe that's why Forbes said the Oracle thing, but to me it was math. Um, I've always been able to do the math in my head, you know, so I wanted to really focus on the philosophy and the beta trade and the macro trade of what the city was going to become in a city that I love. And um, we started off investing with uh, great operators that I had met over the mm -hmm. years working on Wall Street and, you know, had, you know, a lot of a lot of investors that kind of knew that I was, you know, doing the work. If that makes sense. Yeah. And had the blessings from my bosses who now are my investors also. And so there was no, they didn't hold me back. In fact, they said, Hey, you know, go for it. We'll invest with you. If any of the investors that are with us that want to invest with you, we're cool with that. And I just kind of co-GP'd or LP capital, or I lent money. I just played all the capital stack to mitigate risk. And when I felt comfortable with the model, we built our own property management company. We started buying smaller apartment complexes, renovating them, owning the whole spectrum from the construction side, all the way through property management, all the way through PE um, and acquisitions, and then built a horizontally and vertically integrated real estate platform across all asset classes. So we were building over 4,000 houses in Austin, in the Austin MSA, we have condos going up in Phoenix, condos on South First. We have a three and a half million square feet industrial program that we're breaking ground on phase one in the Opportunity Zone in Austin, an office building in downtown. Um, 
and that's not all of it. So, wow. you know, and so that's, um, that's long and short. I have three beautiful children um, that, you know, when you get really tired and you kind of want to quit, which we all kind of get to that place when you're going after something big, you know, you think of them and the life that you want to create for them. And um, I've always had a why, you know, that's not about me, about creating a better experience, about um, taking care of our investors in a more human way than I'd, I'd really seen. And maybe that's the liberal arts side of me, that heart value um, that we that we bring to the table. But, you know, don't let anybody kid you or as much a data analytics, artificial intelligence, backbone. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's kind of it, you know, really, really in a nutshell, but I love what I do. Um, my day job is risk management. You know, I manage risk for a living, you know, and manage, you know, what all the scenarios are that we can lose money. Cause we're not the folks that swing for the fences. We're the folks that, you know, do everything in our power just to not lose money. You know, it's, it's always been my philosophy is just try not to lose money. And I'm not a magician. Maybe I'm an Oracle, but I'm not a magician. Right. You know, like, I don't even know what that means, but you know, it, that's always been the philosophy is capital preservation, hitting singles and doubles, hmm. let that grow every now and then you hit something big um, and just work harder than anybody could ever expect physiologically, psychologically, or humanistically than anybody. Yeah. And that's always been my philosophy. Nice. So I, I was reading this before about the singles and doubles, because I'm a firm believer in that as well. Can you explain a little bit more about how that is and where we are now in our in our in our portion of the market cycle? How does that ring true for you? And um, why is that so important that, um, you know, you're not swinging for the fence on everything? You're, you're just swinging for solid deals consistently. Yeah, no, it's and, and the answer is is actually pretty is pretty simple. Look, right now we're going into an inflationary environment. Mm -hmm. That has been, um, you know, Mark Twain has a funny quote. He said, the rumors of my death have been gravely exaggerated. You know, and, and so I use that only to say that the rumors of inflation and, you know, being this dramatic kind of thing, that's just not what the map says. Are we going to have an inflationary environment to some degree? Yes. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you study history, and again, to quote Twain, being liberal arts, he said, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Mm -hmm. you know, so we know we're going into an inflationary environment, and traditionalist investment philosophy is when you go into an inflationary environment, you invest in hard assets, whether that's gold, whether that's mm -hmm. real estate, you know, insulating from global risk, the public markets, you know, are trading at PE multiples that are very much in the red zone, you know, so we're asking for a major correction, if not for COVID and the money that's been pumped in, I think we would have had a major correction, which is also okay, right? You know, the old saying on Wall Street is bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered, right? And so you can make money as long as there's volatility and there's movement and that's fine. Um, but with singles and doubles, you know, if you just look at the math, right, if you make 7% a year, and I know people want to triple their money, quadruple their money, and look, we want to make money for our investors, you know, first and foremost, and keep a couple shekels for ourselves as well. You know, in the process, we're not exactly running a charity, 
you know, but, you know, but at the same time, you know, you can't do that if you're losing, if you're, if you're really losing money um, per se. Right. And so we found that going after deals that are smaller than what private equity is looking at, but bigger than what local investors are looking at. There's a niche there, certainly in, multi, in our multifamily platform, which is, you know, an idea. You know, when you go after those types of deals where your objective is to not lose money and you find a way through various stress testing, sensitivity analyses, you know, whatever that, whatever that is, you find that the probability of making money is substantially higher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and when you're going after deals where you lower what you're in, what you're, you know, and it also comes back to the ethics around under promising and over delivering. Cause if I have a significant belief or a high degree of probability that we won't lose on the deal and look, I've done deals that I thought were going to take a year and a half. It took four years. I thought we'd make 20% return. We made 2% return. Right. So again, back to not being a magician, but when you when you have the philosophy around just not losing money, so we're investment committee and we're talking with the team that come from all different vantage points. We have a very diverse team, you know, not only from different backgrounds, but different, you know, creeds, different religions, different nationalities, which I'm super proud of to have those different angles and those different, whether it's a sociological perspective, whether it's a, you know, analytical perspective having those different believable people around you to come up with the right answer and not trying to be right is very important. But, you know, statistically, if you can show a way that the downside has been protected, you have what's called an asymmetrical risk profile. And that's a bunch of jargon. I don't like using jargon, but basically what that's saying is how can I take the least amount of risk to garner the highest return? And that might be, I take this much risk to make 7%. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but my risk is low and we've always been in that low risk, you know, kind of platform. And that gives you the staying power because when you make investors money, even if it's smaller than, you know, maybe what another quote unquote competitor is doing psychologically, that feels good. They know they can trust you. They know that they can, whatever. And that harbors referrals that harbors more trust that harbors longevity and we were out to build something that's going to last the test of time and not try to just get rich quick or flip this flip that you know we're very patient in our approach um, but it all comes down to that the ethos of the of, of rastigar the dna of rastigar which revolves around the human element of not just being numbers on a page whether it's our public pension funds that might give us $50 million or, you know, we're working on a deal right now where a group's giving us a quarter of a billion of equity to build out a platform. You know, at the end of the day, like if you look at Texas teachers or Calsters, you know, they might give you a check for $100 million, but there's 100,000 teachers behind that that aggregated to get to that number. And we're very focused on that human element that we're in a place of servitude, a place of contribution, because if I don't feel like I'm creating value, I don't feel fulfilled. And, you know, I'm not a Ferrari guy. I'm not a Rolex guy. You know, you know, my wife will probably still kill me that I don't wear a wedding ring, but I also don't wear any other jewelry. You know, I, I bought like five of the same damn Tiffany's rings and I was done. Like I just, them on the table and then being lost in whatever uh, you know 
pull down the black hole. But um, the key that I have found, and I think a lot of people like, you know, and, and, and so we've really ascribed to that methodology. And the more that we've done that and lowered our return expectation and stress test for capital preservation, a lot of times we've ended up making a lot more money than we had underwritten. And that leads to this under-promising and over-delivering, you know, concept, which is, is not only good marketing, um, it's just the right thing to do, you know, and, and that's very much, um, you know, what we believe in. Yeah, it was that Warren Buffett, first rule is not to lose money and second rule is see rule number one. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, don't forget rule number, yeah, don't forget the first rule, you know. Um, so when you're developing, obviously, you know, you're buying stuff that's already built, it's, it's a different... I think it's a it's a different focus on where the market is and where the neighborhood right. is. When you're building stuff, because you're in really hot markets, let's be honest. I mean, Austin hot, Phoenix hot. I mean, and, these are well, really Austin. Good. I'm also born and raised in Austin. Mm -hmm. You know, the folks that run mm -hmm. this town are childhood friends. You know, these are you know, and Austin is a town, not metropolis. This is not Dallas or Houston where you mm -hmm. can just come in, muscle your way, and write a big check. They it just doesn't work that way. And there's only so much Austin, right? Yeah. Um, which is important to know. And I've lived in Dallas. I lived in San Antonio for law school and I've lived up and down that I-35 corridor, you know, of Texas. And um, Austin is a completely different market, but our focus is within the Sun Belt, which encapsulates, you know, Phoenix, Nashville, Charlotte, Raleigh, Tampa, St. Pete. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, we've, you know, we have invested in, you know, 38 cities, 12 states, seven different asset classes and exited successfully. Um, the bulk of our portfolios within the Austin MSA, although um, we're expanding, we're building the condos in Phoenix and seeding those markets again, but we've already been successful, um, you know, in those cities, if you look at our audited track record. Um, but yeah, we do have the wind at our back, you know, as I think with the underpinnings of what you were saying. Um, but at the same time, a lot of other smart folks know that too. Yeah. So, you know, what I found is in real estate, you make the money the day you sign the contract, you know, and you have to create value and people are like, oh, well, it'll appraise at this. And, you know, the markets are going up. We factor that type of stuff to zero. And, you know, one of my old friends used to say, um, you don't have to plan for good news. <laughs> That's a great saying. Like you know, <laughs> and, and so it's like we just we just prepare for all the bad stuff, and if the good things happen, you get a little wind behind your wings, or if you're you're, you're you know, or and I'm I'm not the biggest sports fan. I watch my friends that are big athletes because I love them, and or if it's one of the greats like Co, you know, like the Serena Williams playing tennis, or when mm -hmm. Kobe was playing, or you know, rest in peace. Um, I like greatness, but sometimes when you're swinging for that kind of single. Sometimes your hips get around and it goes over the fence. That might not have been the plan, but, you know, that's always been kind of the way that we looked at things. But when you're developing, it's a different risk profile because a lot of other things can go wrong. There's ways to mitigate that through cost completion guarantees and bonds around them, partnering with strategic people. Um, but the risk profile on its face of buying existing assets, finance easier, they have existing cash flows. Um, and so it's a matter of just asset allocation. Like, you know, do you, you know, what's your exposure in multifamily? What's your exposure in retail? What's your exposure in, um, 
portfolio analysis that still ascribe possible to generate as much money as possible. Um, and that's always been what we do. And I don't see that changing by any stretch of the imagination. People don't come to us to go make, you know, five times their money in two years. They come to us to not lose their money, you know, whether it's through IRA rollovers of high net worth individuals or even the pensions that need to hit their actuarial rate of return, which might be six and a quarter, you know, six and a quarter mm. or seven or whatever. They're coming to us for safety. And yeah. And, and that's, you know, and that's what our focus is. So what has been your biggest obstacle as a real estate investor and entrepreneur? My ego, hmm. you know, um, early on thinking that I could do everything or thinking that I was right and wanting to be right and wanting to reinvent the wheel. And back again, one of my dear friends and investor and men, you know, mentor, um, you know, started a family business um, um, that his father started of grocery anchors and, you know, he worked there mm. for 30 years. They ended up selling it for nine figures, but these are just kind of, you know, his wife is a teacher, you know, and he mm. was just a worker at his dad's shop and they ended up buying more locations and reinvesting with no debt and had a nine figure exit a few years ago, which never was the plan. And he said to me something very interesting. And I told him that I'm going to, I'm going to steal this. You know, I'm going to use it as my own, although I'm giving him credit. He's a dear friend of mine. His name is, you know, uh, Randy LeBlanc. And I'll send him this link and, you know, he'll watch it. But he said something to me that always really stuck with me, even though I told him that I'm going to take it as my own. You know, um, you know, Randy said to me, you know, look, Ari, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just trying to keep it balanced and aligned. Mm. And, yeah. and it resonated with me. Like it really hit me differently to hear him say that. And, um, and I realized that that's very much what we were doing. He just said it in a very poignant way. And I don't know if his father said that to him or where it came from, but when he said it, I just kind of went dead silent. And um, yeah, and that, that's really what, what we're after is to find a better way, looking to the future, you know, you know my, my friends and colleagues and you know, certainly my wife and people around me make fun of me. They say, Ari lives 30 years in the future. You know, and I'm kind of a middle child in the sense where I'm 39 years old. So I'm like the oldest millennial. So I'm like the big brother to, you know, all the younger guys, but I'm the little brother to the, you know, older real estate, you know, veterans. And so I'm kind of like suffer from this identity crisis of not knowing exactly what it is. I still wear a three-piece suit. So either you find me in a three-piece suit or you're going to find me in a Rastigar hoodie in my Lululemon and a pair of Yeezys. Um, yeah, we do a lot of stuff with Adidas. I know those guys really well and they're very dear friends of ours and yeah, you know, and, but again, it's, it's about, you know, that contribution, of you know, creating something that, you know, makes people's lives easier, more efficient, um, at a better cost basis. Um, not, you know, like we're cheap because that insinuates bad quality, but, mm -hmm. you know, affordable, you know, less expensive, uh, for the same value. And, um, and we're core value driven, you know, 
you know, they'll say people that don't know me, obviously. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a shark. I might be a lion, but I'm not a shark. You know, <laughs> you know like an Ari incidentally in Hebrew means, you know, means lion. Um, and, but I'm a lion, you know, protector of the people that, you know, are on our team. And, um, and I'm proud of that. And I, I want my kids to be proud of me. I want my kids to be proud of their name. I want the, them to walk by these buildings and see a lot of times I sketch out the buildings because in my heart, I'm an artist. And Andy Warhol talks about business being the most fascinating form of art, you know? And, and that's really been my canvas, you know, where I get to, you know, look at new design and new ways of thinking about what we're calling futuristic suburbanism, which is we build these big communities on these hundreds of acres you know, having iris scans to walk into the house versus keys and, you know, eliminating dining rooms because no one goes into dining rooms, lowering the footprint, expanding the kitchens because that's where most people eat mm. and being responsive to the technological, the way, you know, technological changes or better said, the way technology has changed the way that we live and not fighting the current, but riding the wave of kind of figuring out, um, you know, what the future is going to look like for the younger millennials, for Gen Z, for that future. And, um, you know, again, one of my partners would say, if you ever say anything good about yourself, you have to say, if I do say so myself. So if I do say so myself, I think we're very well positioned with 400 years of conglomerate real estate experience at the PE level behind us to, you know, really, you know, help create what the future of living is going to be you know the future of where they're gonna you know kind of be entertained as well as living um and um that's the platform we're building through a series of verticals through our industrial vertical for logistics because in growing cities within the sun belt that we named some of the cities you need good logistics so if you need logistics and you're growing you need apartments if you need apartments you need houses you need you know so they all kind of play into it so we've been a agnostic as to what asset class mm-hmm. we go after because we're looking at it from 50,000 feet of what's needed within those communities, whether it's office, whether it's mixed use, whether it's multifamily and finding strategic institutional partners mm-hmm. that'll build out those verticals that are subject matter experts versus trying to be a bunch of cowboys and just try to go do it yeah. ourselves. We believe in strong strategic relationships with subject subject matter experts. So my my next question here is we're following as we're finishing up here and it kind of goes into what you were saying, but um, what are common mistakes that you see other real estate investors and entrepreneurs make? And is it being uh, only in one asset class when they're in real estate? Is that one of the things? And what else do you see? You know, um, I think people just, I look at mistakes different. So my book is coming out this month called The Gift Failure. Okay, and I'll send you a copy you know, when, it, when it comes out. And so um, mistakes to me, I look at with a slightly different cadence. And so knowing that my own mistakes, my own flaws, it's hard. is another man's treasure um you know but i don't know how exactly to answer that question because um 
I could point out some things and it's easy to point the finger these days on mm-hmm. social media or on this. So he did that, he cheated that and, you know, kind of whatever. But there's a lot of very smart people out there, you know, doing stuff that I might not understand, you know, and I've seen some investment decisions made where, you know, I looked at it and I was like, dang, that was pretty freaking stupid. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road, I looked back at the same deal because I'm a data freak and I follow this stuff, whatever. And I was wrong. So, you know, I've been very reluctant to point out, quote unquote, mistakes that other people are making because I run my race. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking left and right when I'm running the sprints. I'm just running my race and competing against the older me, right? Matthew McConaughey talks about this a lot of, you know, my competitor is me, right? And so I'm very, you know, reluctant to make any of those types of judgments. Mm-hmm. But what I can say for myself is the biggest mistakes that I've made are not surrounding myself with believable people from different vantage points, wanting to be right, you know, and maybe, you know, taking that a little bit too far versus finding the right answer and knowing that it's not about me, it's about our investors, it's about the community and and, and pushing more towards growth and contribution versus being a money worshiper, which I'm not, obviously we've created well, that's no secret, um, but I attribute that to helping a lot of people. And um, if there's any mistake that I think entrepreneurs would make, you know, as a holistic statement is having self-interest. If you're doing something that is your self-interest just to make money, I don't agree with that. I think that's a mistake. I think that if you, you know, and I, I, I was talking about this the other day, I think they posted it on my social media that people always ask me, how do I big, build a big business? And I've asked, been asked that question a million times and how did you do it so young? And I was like, yeah, you wanna work 160 hours a week and sleep two hours a night for 20 years? You know, so I'm like like a like an 80 year old, 39 year old in terms of the hours on a 40 hour work week, I've been working, you know, 10 years for me is 30 years, not counting compounded return. But if you want a big business, solve a big problem. Find mm-hmm. a problem that affects a lot of people yeah. and, and make it easier on them and take your element out of it. And a lot of times I'll look at, let's say a marketing deck and I'll be like, mm, I don't really like the color scheme, but I'm not the customer. Mm-hmm. And so being able to take yourself out of it and say, oh, this is what the customer wants to see. They want to see these certain things. But in my mind, I'm like, well, I want to see a 3D rendering or I'm just using whatever random examples. But being obsessed with your customer in that Amazonian type mentality, um, that's the mistake that I see globally is more mm-hmm. self-interest than contribution. Interesting. So great. So uh, how can our listeners learn more about you and your business, Ari? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to look me up. I'm writing a children's book with a kid in the UK that was able to find me, God knows where, but a simple Google search of Rastigar or my name, Ari Rastigar, you'll, you can find me, you know, it's, if you really want to, and you have some persistence or you have, you know, you want to, you know, be a part of our, you know, Rastigar family of investors, you can find us, you know, it's, you know, just Google my name, Google Rastigar. And you'll see thousands of articles, hundreds of podcasts, and, um, you know, yeah. 
it's not that hard. If on Instagram, it's just at Instagram. You know, it's uh, there's it's <laughs> it's pretty simple. If you want to find me, you'll find me. And um, yeah, we have a great team of people, great follow up, and uh, you'll find that the people that you deal with at our firm are very loving, beautiful, beautiful people that truly care. And that's you know, I think if I had to say my accomplishment is being able to work with people that I love so dearly as humans and respect them tremendously. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. If you want to check out Ari, I would definitely start with that Forbes article about being the Oracle of Austin. It's very interesting. And um, I'll put all the links into the show notes. So thank you so much for coming on today and looking forward to connecting with you in the near future. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll send you the book when it comes out. Thank you. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.